Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, wanted to shout out the Press Box Podcast starring Brian Curtis and, of course, the great David Shoemaker. They are back. They just dropped some new episodes and uh, they got everything up to got us all up to speed on what's been happening in the world of media and beyond. I feel like the Press Box is like our podcast adjacent cousin or brother. It's a they're part of the family. So uh, if you don't listen, you should listen. It's a great show. It's the Press Box Podcast. You can find it on Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. Go listen now. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, on today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we've got our guy Kyle Mann back in the building, and we're talking about one guy. He is our guy. His name is John Calipari, and he went with his guy Drake this weekend at his house. Drake was not there, but the whole Kentucky basketball team was there. A lot of content came out, a lot of conversations that myself and Kyle Mann are going to have about this in the future. But again, this is great offseason content. Shout out to Calipari for making it happen. We're also going to do a wrap on Summer League, talk about some of the biggest standouts. Um, just do a little follow-up on what we presented a couple weeks ago when we were actually in Las Vegas, so that'll be good. And then we'll wrap it up a little Hunter Dickinson talk. Not too much, but, you know, it's in shout-outs, and there's some drama, there's some headline hunting that's happening right now. Um, we got a jam-packed show of OSP. Kyle, anything before we get into today's episode? I just bought an international flight with an expired passport, so I got a phone call to make, but first... Woody Durham. It's like- All right, welcome back into One Shining Podcast. It is Monday, it is July 17th, a.k.a. the last day of NBA Summer League for everyone that survived the gauntlet of Las Vegas. You've been there for 10 days, you did it, July 7th to July 17th. Myself and my guest and my co-host today, Kyle Mann, we were there for not even close to 10 days and we barely survived, but Kyle Mann, it's great to see you on Zoom, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm recovering. I'm rebounding. <laughs> I'm getting back into shape. I told you I had to kind of scramble and get my whole like audio setup going here just to get a- audio acclimated here. But I think like, what do you think the limit is? I, you hear a lot of people talk about Vegas. Hey, you were talking about the 10 days thing. What so I don't know. Any, I don't know any non team or non like what sicko was doing all 10 days of that hit us up if you did. We we know Russillo went like during the 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 lesser you know the more dead period. Kudos to him. Russillo's a sicko. Everybody knows that. But <laughs> what do you what do you think like the window is? Thirty six hours is that really the healthy amount of of Vegas time? Kyle, weigh in on this or like at what point is it just like you're barely hanging on? I'm forty hours. That's all I got. I, I have uh, I have mapped it out. I've been there. I mean, I stayed during the pandemic in Henderson, Nevada, at my friend Tyler's house for a month and a half, and I feel like I lost years 
of my life. You know what I mean? And I felt delirious. Even in Henderson, the, you felt that way? You, you're still close and you have to go into the city at times to do certain things. And then when people come to visit you, they expect to go to the strip. You know what I mean? It's a whole thing. So it, it all plays on your mind. But I think 40 hours is the limit. I uh, Anyone that was there that works for the NBA for 10 days, they deserve a two-week vacation. Like They, they deserve a break. Um, I don't know what kind of vacation they want after that. Maybe go to Hawaii or something. That would be nice. But you got to get out of there because if you don't, you can go crazy. And it's all because of the heat. And right now, it's it's a different level of heat. If you watch the Today Show like I did this morning, it's the biggest topic across the board. They got Al Roker up there, Kyle, man. And he is like, it is a heat wave, folks. There's nowhere to hide. You know, go inside. Call your AC guy. Do what you got to do. I mean, that is the world that we're in. And if you're in Las Vegas for 10 days, um, Godspeed. I don't know how you did it. Yeah, I think it's it's two days for a happy exit. If you want to leave feeling all right, <laughs> yeah, I think two days up. Yeah, because you, I mean, you you always leave, but it's just, if you want to leave, like, you know, not like, you know, I mean, you guys just, like, plugged all your shit back in uh, from being away, and you were like, God damn, what the hell? So, uh, I think if you want to leave <laughs> under good circumstances, two days is the right move. Yeah, so that's that's a great advice uh, from Kyle right there. He is someone that, I mean, you thrived, Kyle. That first 24 hours in Vegas, you were on top of the world. I mean, you it was like you climbed Mount Everest. It was great to see the 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 ascension to the top, and then um, we all come spiraling down. And uh, unless you're the Cavaliers or the Houston Rockets, you're probably fed up and done with summer league again. The championship is tonight, July seventeenth. If you're listening to this, it is Monday morning. Kyle Mann and I are talking. We're going to talk about summer league, do a little update in the latter half of this show. But first and foremost, we got to start with it's not good guy, it's not bad guy, it is Cal's guy. Uh, John Calipari this weekend, he put on a display. It felt like it was 2013. Pinch me. He was back. He was back on top. It was Calipari winning the offseason again. And of course, in case you missed it, Cal's guy was Drake. And he had this tweet that he put out to the world. Quote, when young talent reaches supreme superstardom, many times they change. He hasn't. I will, capital letters, always be in your corner, my friend. And of course, he's talking about Aubrey Graham, a.k.a. Drizzy Drake. Um, Kyle, man, you are someone who's in Kentucky right now. I'm sure there's a lot of conversation about this trip to Canada. They go 4-0. They win the Global Jam, whatever the hell that is. Um, they were in USA jerseys. Calipari's got a USA, um, you know, college shirt on at one point, like basically cosplaying as if he is the USA coach. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it. But first and foremost, how good is this for Big Blue Nation to see Drake back in the fold? It's good. You know, we, we had a wobbly time <laughs> that, there where... <laughs> you didn't sound as enthusiastic as I, well, as I thought Big no. Blue Nation would. <laughs> no, it is good. I, I was telling you, it's funny that like Cal's energy, it's been, it's been a really up and down off season Tate. You know, we, we entered sort of right. the, the portal era there. They missed on Hunter Dickinson. They missed on a few other targets that they were interested in. They really took it to the wire. They added Joey Hart and then they added uh, Jordan Burks, a couple, you know, an OTE guy. And then they added Trey Mitchell because Bob, Bob old Bobby Huggins ended up getting right. caught with a trash the West bag Virginia purge, of, as we yeah. all remember. Yes. <laughs> the old WV purge. Uh, that'd be a great sequel for, you know, why not? <laughs> we have every other type of purge movie. Why don't we just go ahead? <laughs> that that, that would be, uh, you want to talk about uh, a theater experience. 
chance. That would be worth going to theaters for, especially if you went and saw it in West Virginia. Um, those people would love it. Yeah, that's a good one. Put a pin yeah. in that one. That's a good. That's a good half baked idea right there. No, the franchise. what we could do. What we could do is have Bob Huggins be the main character, and the plot <laughs> is that all these college coaches are showing up at his house. Like Cal rings the doorbell, and and Huggins looks through the camera, and he sees Cal in like some weird clown mask or something. Yeah, it seems like, like it Blindside Cocaine Bear uh, from the producers of Cocaine Bear comes, you know, purge West Virginia. That, that'd be great. I'm watching. Yeah. I'm it's like for, for one day a year for 24 hours, college coaches can <laughs> uh, can get away with, with breaking the law. But anyway, yeah, so they, they ended up uh, Trey Mitchell is a guy who ended up falling into their lap. So they really took to the wire is my point. And this so and to speak to the up and downness of this. Um, the vibes were bad, Tate. You know, the vibes were, were were not good. There was grumbliness going on, and I think the basketball has gone a long way to 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 cure some of this, to quell some of this, uh, which we can talk about. But I think it's affecting how Cal is being received here because, you know, Drake, the the, the weird music in my voice, like that that when you asked me about that was. I think it's more like Drake has been a little more dorky lately. Am I right? I mean, you're mm. younger than me. I'm not as like on it, you know, in terms of like the hip hop thing. Drake is sort of straddles pop and hip hop, I think, in a way. I don't, you know, I don't know if you have a comment on that, but I feel like Drake's been a little dorky and his attachment to Cal hasn't been as much of a just boost lately. Am I right or wrong about that? What's your read? Yeah, I was going to say, I saw Drake do some interview, some podcast interview with a YouTube podcaster. Can't remember her name, but he's in bed with her and he's like having a conversation. It's very strange. And in that video, he has a Memphis State jersey, uh, T-shirt on. And I was thinking to myself, this man has the Kentucky basketball team at his house right now, yet he's on a show right now wearing a Memphis State shirt, which is a win for Penny. Also, how how all the way in the pool is Drake? Because we must mention, Calipari puts out this video. He's like, all right, we're at Drake's house. Looks like a hotel. We're having a great time. We're jumping in the pool. Tyler Eulis is acting like he's 18 again. It's a, it's a fun video, and you're saying to yourself, Beautiful strategy. Uh, yet again, Cal does it. Uh, how does he keep doing it? It's kind of like the viewpoint of Drake. It's like every time he drops a single or an album, people are like, how does he keep doing this? How does he keep getting away with this? This damn Drake. Um, you know, he's hip hop at some level, but you're making a valid mm. point. And I think that what he is trying to do here is not actually curry favor with the Kentucky team, even though he liked the PR from Calipari. I think he was trying to help Team Canada. I think he was trying to distract the Kentucky team and get them feeling all good and nice and warm and fuzzy and we're swimming in the pool and we're a little bit tired. We got the sun baking on us, you know what I mean? Because they almost, they struggled against the BAL team they played the next day. And of course, in the championship game, they played Team Canada again. So I think if anything, this was more strategy, kind of like what Drake did to the Warriors, right? In 2019, where he's trying to butter up Draymond. He's trying to butter up KD. You know, he's crying on the sideline when KD gets hurt. But in reality, what does he want? He wants the Raptors to win. And that's what he really cares about. So if anything, it's a there's a lot of gamesmanship going on between Drake and the UK Wildcats. But I I did like the fact that he left the keys for Calipari. I thought mm. that was a cool wrinkle. And I feel like the big winner in all this, if you're a young kid, is Robert Dillingham, right? Robert Dillingham goes to Donda Academy. He's got, you know, prime crazy Kanye basically, you know, coming to all of his games, doing art installations at halftime, calling him the next Allen Iverson. Then that all kind of just, you know, falls apart, as we all know, because Donda was in, in insane experience and experiment in general. 
And then he gets to go to UK, um, which is great. And now he's at Drake's house and he's wearing OVO gear. This guy, you know, if you're a young kid, you're like, I get to hang out with Drake. I get to hang out with Kanye West. I mean, it's not bad playing basketball. So um, I think that Drake still hits in that way. And it's still cool to post the stuff and everything. But I think Drake had an ulterior motive. We could all read between the lines. And it was for Team Canada. And I'm concerned because Team Canada... Not the team that Kentucky played, but the real team Canada. Yeah. I think they're going to try to, to try to make something happen in the World Cup and try to send a statement. And I think that we're a little bit on our heels as American Hoopers. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But that was my big takeaway. It's like good for Cal, good for Drake, but also for different reasons. Yeah, and uh, that's an interesting theory. I, I hadn't considered that. It was cool to see. I guess if you're de- well, a few things. If you're Dillingham, I guess, and you've been around Kanye and then you've been around, I would just, and then Drake, and it's like, I guess, you know, very little would like surprise you. Like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see if you're Dillingham, I guess the deer and headlights thing isn't going to be happening as much. These weird things have been normalized for you. Right. Um, how, how, how crazy can college be when you've been to Donda Academy? That's really the yeah. question. Like, there's nothing crazier than that. They they could only eat sushi. They had no windows in the building. They didn't even have a school building at one point, and he was on their basketball team. So make it make sense. There's weren't nothing crazier like, than that. Weren't they, like, not even on Google Maps at one point? I feel like I tried to look up Don Academy, and there field. was just, like, like there was you, a picture was of an Google embankment. Earth. Yeah, right. It was, just, <laughs> it was just a field in Simi Valley. That was what it was. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the, also, man, like, it's just funny how when things weren't going well, when, when the fans were grumbling, you know, UK goes out, they lose to St. Peter's last year. They go out in the second round to Kansas state this year, which, you know, Kansas state had Kyle's, had Kyle's guy on their team. He was, yeah, he was really Snowell. worried about in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Marky Snowell. Yeah. Um, you know, the vibes weren't great then, you know, after all that, you know, it, it, suddenly if he's attaching himself to Drake, who was kind of feeling, you know, a little dorky at times after the LeBron thing. And it's like Cal's out there at the pool. It's not received as well. It's like, the, you know, if you're winning, it's it's the cliche that's it remains true, man. It's like if you're winning, everything just is kind of uh, sanitized and feels better. Everything is just sh- shined up, you know, because Cal's at that pool. And we're like, oh, Cal, he's so funny. Whereas if they lose some of these games, we're just like, Cal's not cool anymore. And my question to you, is Cal cool, Tate? Do you think Cal's cool? And Kyle, I I offer that to you guys. What do you think? I think Cal is cool. And I think Cal, um, the longer that he holds on, the more he can play into the cachet of like, I am him. I am that guy. I am one of the few coaches that are still here that have done this, this, and that. You know what I mean? Dating back to recruiting Marcus Canby and, you know what I mean, all these different iterations of Calipari. And yes, Derek Rose probably doesn't hit the same for this generation, but Devin Booker does. And, you know, you still got the, those kind of connections. SGA, obviously, he's in Toronto. Um, you know, he's he's basically talking about how Shea's going to come there and pull for Team Canada, but he's also got his little photo shoot with Shea. And Shea's like, I, I wouldn't be the player I am today without Kentucky, without Calipari being so hard on me, right? He still has all the the talking points and he still connects to this modern generation. So yes, he is cool, but he's almost like getting into Coach K territory of cool, where it's like the allure of his accomplishments are why he's cool. Not that he's the young, cool, upcoming coach who's now at a blue blood that's trying to stick it to everybody else and give him the middle finger. Now he's kind of grandfathered in a little bit. So it's a it's more of a godfather cool than it is like uh, what Calipari once was cool. You know what I mean? So and maybe yeah. even that maybe even it's that way with Drake a little bit too with some people where like young kids may say, I like little Uzi, I like little Yachty, I like little baby. 
but I respect Drake, even though I don't like his music. You know what I mean? It, it could be one of those things. Like I just respect Cal because he was once that guy, even though he isn't for me. So I think he's still cool. And I, I'll, I'll lean on Kyle Crichton. Kyle, what do you think about Calipari? Is he cool? I think he's cool. He almost reminds me of like a, a like a football assistant coach, not with like not with like his presence or whatever, but just like like. Like, I feel like he'd like, you know, the guys are like standing, you know, at the lineup or something. He's like, what are you guys getting into this weekend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys going down there? Oh, yeah. You guys are nuts. Sorry. You know, keep your nose out of trouble. You know, he just he seems like his personality. He seems like he's he, he just got like I'm talking that cool. Not like what is he like? Like, you know, what does he say in interviews? And like, you know, how is he talking about these kids? When it's when it, are they guys? Are they kids? Whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just like I think his demeanor is cool. He's got the look of a, a cool sort of guy i think just yeah on like levels of of cool when we're when we're throwing out you know uh what he's doing on the sidelines or what he's talking about to reporters i just think his actual essence is cool tony yeah. soprano cool yeah yeah it's it's sort of the the agreeableness the like i won't tell on you kind of thing like you know he's a good cop you know even though i think cal I'm sure behind the scenes is a bad cop plenty, but I mean, it's just, it's interesting. He's got, he's segueing into that, like less of a Tate, you made a great point. Like the, it's sort of the, you have your punk rock, like I'm punching up thing. You have that phase where you're climbing. You're like, you're the, you're the guy in the nice suits with the slick outfits and stuff. You're younger. And then you accomplish some things and he, it feels like he's kind of segueing into like a Michael Douglas era. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like Michael Doug Douglas isn't like young and cool, but like you see him and you're like, or, or Pat Riley, you know, you're like, this guy's right. done a lot of stuff. He's, he doesn't give a shit about anybody. He's clearly comfortable in his own skin. He doesn't have to get out there and run around and, and, and punch up anymore. He's, he's sort of, and I, I think something that's really helping is the fact that the guys that were at UK in the beginning of his tenure were high picks. So they were on bad teams and he's, it's gone on for so long now that those guys are like maturing onto competitive teams. You know, Booker's on a team that could took the champs, you know, stole two games from a, from a Denver team that ran through the playoffs. Anthony Davis is on a team has won a title. Um, you know, Shea's on a team that's up and coming. Jamal Murray won a title. You know, I'd be remiss to forget him. It's just, I think that's working for him now. So it's, you're right, uh, Tate. It's like the portfolio speaks for itself, you know? And I, I think another thing that's working for them too is, that could be good is there are some weird 2017 vibes with this Kentucky team. I don't know if you've gotten to watch the on-court product, but, but what I mean by that is like, and you and I have talked about this in the past, that like the coolness is is a separate thing. You know, there are teams that can be maybe not as not the best teams, but they were just, you look back and think back about them and you're just like, oh man, that was a, that was a cool team. Whereas I think this team could do both, but they're just fun. And I think that could be big for Cal's sort of course correction. I can't believe we're having this conversation considering how negative we were like a month ago, Kentucky fans. But um, yeah, I think they have potential to be a fun, cool team. Well, that's why Calipari is so magical with this because he knows when to ham it up, right? I mean, that is the beauty of Calipari. He is a sleight of hand, right? So the the fans are frustrated about roster construction. They're talking about, should we, we be recruiting these high school McDonald's All-Americans or should we be dominating the transfer portal? We felt like we're kind of in between both sides of the coin here. And now instead of that conversation, we're talking about this team going to Canada, you know, hanging out at Drake's house, playing with each other in the pool, having a good time. Cal's having fun. He's looking good. You know what I mean? The whole team looks like they like each other. You even have guys like Dillingham who's coming off the bench and then he's asked about it and he's like, anything for the team, right? He's giving these kind of answers where, you know, the the typical Blue Blood fan says, that's the kind of players we want to have at Kentucky. And I think he also has 
something amazing in his back pocket, which I learned by watching them in the Global Jam. I only watched the BAL game, but Reed Shepard in his back pocket, you know what I mean? Like having a a legacy UK kid who obviously has already impressed. You've already heard people talking about sneaky athletic, you know, all the all the tropes that you hear about certain guys that look like Reed, but he is a really good basketball player. And you have a star, I believe, in Antonio Reeves where, you know, there was a lot of waffling going on there, but now he's locked in. He looks like he wins MVP of the tournament, right? He looks like he's going to be sort of the face of this team. And then you have a lot of nice pieces, younger pieces. And DJ Wagner looks like he's fine to shoulder some of that star load, even if, you know, he didn't have some of his best games. He still had good stat lines, right? He still got his numbers. So, and I like that Dillingham seems to be unselfish. Looks like a good six-man option. So you can't read too much into the global jam and what UK looks like. But I feel like from a basketball side, too, for Calipari, you have fans watching and saying, oh, I like these guys. You know, like you mentioned, 2017, all the fans seemed to like them, right? It felt like they were in the fight together. It wasn't a, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like they were fighting. It wasn't infighting between the team and the fans and Calipari versus the fans. And, you know, he's trying to bunker, hunker down with his guys, but also these aren't his guys. These are his kids. Um, so it just feels like more connected. And you can't read too much into this, like, made-up Global Jam tournament. But I did, after watching them play together, think to myself, oh, this team could be fun, and it doesn't feel like it has the expectations of last year's team. Last year's team, there's all the mystery with Oscar. Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? All this sort of stuff. So it feels fun. And for Calipari, I think that's what he needed. He needed a fun year um, because the last two years were not fun. Can I make a compare, like a comment on uh, Dillingham? Like, uh, you've watched him a, a yes. good bit, right? You've, you've yeah, I watched him in Dillingham. high school in North Carolina, and everyone was telling me he was AI. And I, I see, I could see flashes with the crossover and things like that, but Maybe not quite that level. Skinny shot creator. Yeah. I mean, people always forget how like crazy an athlete Allen Iverson was. Right. Like like explosive. Like, you know, could could have been like an NFL kick returner. Like he was that that level of athlete. But like um Dillingham does this thing that Imani Bates does also, where I'm gonna demonstrate this visually a little <laughs> bit. Dillingham will dance with the ball. It's actually really similar. He'll dance with the ball, and then when he goes into his shot, he has I just feel like when I was growing up, like the coach coaches would have just like, uh, you know, pounded this out of us. Not literally, maybe literally for some people in the Bob Knight era. I don't know. But like shooting, like shooting off the dribble, they'll do this thing where their follow through is like, like Dillingham will do this thing where he'll pull his hands back, like um, almost like that was so nasty. I have to get my hands away from it. Right. Like, 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 like your hands Imani, so hot. Like the stove. Yeah. It's like you rip it back real quick. Yeah. Yeah, it, I just I just think it's hilarious. Like uh it's he did one yesterday and I just started laughing. I, it's like it's one of those like end of shot clock permissible type things. Like if he does it in a big possession, I think Cal's gonna explode. But uh so far he hasn't. Dillingham's look good. Yeah. I saw Dillingham, uh it was just a highlight. I wasn't watching the game because again, the game was like, what was it on CBS Sports Network? You had to go find it. So I mean you you were a true blue blood Kentucky fan if you're going to seek out these games and watch, but I know that they are. Um, but the clip, the highlight I saw, uh, Dillingham, you know, hit a step back, like long two, and then he, he untucks his jersey. Like he's like <laughs> celebrating, he untucks his jersey, like on the way to the bench. And then Calipari walks up to him and like obviously says like, you know, what the hell are you doing kind of thing? And then he just kind of brushes past him and sits on the bench. And 
I do think that there is some, uh, like Calipari is probably going to have fun MFing some of these kids, you know what I mean? And I think guys like Dillingham are willing to be coach hard. DJ Wagner is willing to be coach hard. That's another, like Bam Adebayo, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, they were all willing to be coached hard. Um, and that's kind of Cal's style a little bit, you know? I mean, remember the days with Boogie Cousins? I remember at Vanderbilt, uh, they were playing at Vanderbilt, and obviously the benches are on the baseline, and Boogie Cousins like tried to get up to go check himself in, and Cal like, threw him back on the bench, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, and Boogie wants to be coached hard. I mean, that's just that's just kind of like his personality, right? And I feel like Cal's got some of those kids too, which he might feel more comfortable um, being that way with. I mean, they they just like, they, they seem like they want to buy in and they want to learn. Um, but yeah, they, they're just a, they were kind of a fun team to watch in this little tournament. I, there wasn't really any major takeaways other than that. I thought they, they were fun and I thought that they showed that they have some legit talent, right? I mean, that's, that's the big yeah. factor for this team. When you talked about roster construction, everyone's like, where are the points coming from? It looks like it's Reeves. looks like it's Wagner, you know, and then, uh, who's the other guy, uh, the wing or the, he was playing bit. He was a, he was a big man. Tierro uh, and yes. Trey Mitchell. Yeah. Tierro. Uh, that's who it was. Yep. Yeah, I was texting with somebody. I was like, the arrow might, I mean, he might get drafted this coming year. Like, he, right. he's shown hes shown some crazy stuff. Uh, there's something, you mentioned something about the TV thing. Like, you know, the fact that it wasn't on TV. Uh, you ever get into these desperate modes where, like, something is not accessible? Like, I definitely entered that zone where I was, like, signing up for trials of things <laughs> just to watch one event. Have you done this one? I feel of like course. I can't even, like, I don't even know how many times I've subscribed to Paramount Plus and forgotten I had it. I'm trying to, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I could put a dollar amount on it. I don't know if it's a thousand dollars maybe over the That's course of my like, streaming life I feel where like I've I just get forgotten that every I had Olympics a, and and it's the same deal where you're just like you're you're and then you try to create a new account. It's like this account has already been registered with this email and you're, you're like, like, oh shit, wait, what? Oh, I won the three hundred dollars. Classic. So the, yeah, the the basketball side of it is uh, it's all good for Calipari. We we love to see it. I mean, they even put out Kentucky put out the uh, the views. You know, Cal sitting on top of Toronto. Um, you know what I mean? They they've done all the things. They checked all the boxes. Um, even Calipari went out of his way to shout out the Marriott crew. Um, who serviced the team for the the past nine days and and gave them their shout out and they celebrated like they won a gold medal. I mean they they wore gold medals. Calipari had a USA polo on. Um, so that was the last point I wanted to bring up to you. Do you think that Calipari is trying to incept in the minds of kids that he is the USA basketball coach? You know what I mean? They, it does feel very much like he's trying to do what Kay did with USA basketball. He's trying to flip that script a little bit and act like he is the USA coach, which I kind of like. Partly that you talking about Cal incepting things. I was just kind of, I'm going to just cleanse my mind of that one. But the, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of, a, I guess it's sort of a, it's a, it's a washing of the, uh, the 20, I guess it was at 2018 or 2019, U19 thing where he coached and they got whooped by RJ, which looks worse and worse as time goes by. Um, I mean, that was a weird team ultimately, but maybe, maybe this is a way of him just trying to sort of erase that from the memory of people. If it, you know, if uh, Steve Kerr, I guess is not going to, it's not going to be a thing where he has anything on the line because Steve Kerr isn't going to be coaching college basketball. So he has nothing to lose there. I don't know. Is Bill self in line maybe next? Who's the next college coach that could take that job and, and hurt him with that. I mean, it, it'd have to be, Somebody with a lot of cachet. I don't know if self would work in that situation, but I might have said the th- same thing about Kay. I don't know. 
I think I think unfortunately for Calipari, there's someone waiting in the wings, uh, both for the UK job and the USA job, if they are willing to be approached about it. And that's Scott Drew. Maybe Mark Fuse in the mix, but I think Scott Drew is a uh, under the radar name. And I know that uh, Kentucky fans, whenever he gets brought up, they get a little excited. Well, this could be big for you, Tate. I could see a world where you—I mean, you seem pretty convinced that uh, Billy D is is going to be the next coach of the of the North Carolina Tar Heels. He <laughs> seems like a guy who could double dip and do the U- Team USA thing because he'll have the the cachet of the of the NBA thing, and then he can come in. That would be that would actually be a pretty nice like brand rocket behind you know rocket behind the brand there for UNC that could be huge you're grinning really big right now you no like that's 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 if uh if North Carolina basketball is truly on life support that is the uh, ultimate uh breaking case of emergency Billy Donovan button um I don't I don't I don't know if we get to that point because Roy Williams I don't think he and Roy Williams have a a great friendship to say the least based on the fact that uh Mike Miller the recruitment of Mike Miller if anyone knows about that story I think Roy had to report Billy Donovan for his recruiting violations at that point so um, the idea of Roy Williams having to see Billy Donovan in Carolina Blue um, in the Smith Center would probably be a nightmare to Roy Williams but also I mean who knows hey, like like I said if they, if they have to break the glass they have to break the glass hey we acted above Cal man and we you know things got bad enough and we had to circle back I just picture I just picture old Roy's like I just picture old Roy's convictions <laughs> like really weighing on him and he's like I don't want to do it son but I got I just yeah. uh, that is a really comical scene to me but uh, I wish I could have seen that he just begrudgingly reports this this young youngster that that ne- needs to get right I, I like it yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. But uh, in general, shout out to the Blue Bloods. There's always good fodder in the offseason. And shout out to Calipari because he knew that we needed something. You know what I mean? We needed to hang our hats on something. TBT starts on Wednesday, July 19th. So there was a little bit of a, it was an open room here. I mean, it was so open, Kyle, man, that I'm watching the Wimbledon final on Sunday. As Wimbledon's if, awesome, dude. It was awesome. It always is awesome. But I mean, Al, like, let's be honest, like Joker winning four years in a row kind of sucked out the juice of Wimbledon to me. I'm like, I'm tired of seeing this guy continue to win. And then I'm counting down like how close he's getting to, you know, before it was Sampras. And then now it's obviously Federer who's got eight. So I'm terrified he was going to, you know, break. Uh, or at least tie Federer's record. So for Alcaraz to come in, shout out to Carlos Alcaraz. He saved the day. But again, I'm locked in watching tennis because there is no basketball. But John Calipari said, I'm going to give you a little bit of content. I'm going to give you a little bit of something to hold you over um, as we get into the dog days of summer. So shout out to him. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. We're going to wrap up, talk about some of the Summer League standouts and uh, some of the news you may have missed from Summer League. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um, Summer League is wrapping up today. Like I said, it's July 17th. It has been 10 long days of NBA Summer League. So a lot of things have happened. We we started out hot. We were there. We were in the building. We saw Victor Wembanyama take on Brandon Miller. We saw Scoot Henderson before the shoulder in- injury. Um, there was a lot of you know hubbub about these guys. But now as the, the days are waning, we got to a point at Summer League where we got a championship. The Houston Rockets, who have been undefeated, um, going up against the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Isaiah Mobley had a great game there. But I think the real star that I have to talk about because he is in the championship game, Amani Bates. Uh, can we can we talk about Amani Bates? Because um the Hooper's Hooper, 
Um, they all love Amani Bates. And, you know, sometimes these Hooper accounts I can't agree with and the Hooper Hooper people that are in my life that try to tell me um, as if I've never watched basketball in my life what what a Hooper is. They love Amani Bates. Now, I, I don't go out of my way to say that, but I wanted to say he has looked solid. I like his release point. I like how quick the release is. He's shooting the ball well. Um, but did Amani Bates somehow end up back ending his way to winning summer league, Kyle, man, it's either Sam Merrill or it's, uh, who's an NBA champion by the way, or it's Amani Bates. I don't know which one, but what are your thoughts on Amani? Uh, this is the perfect setting for Amani. I mean, right. like low it, stakes, free shots. <laughs> yeah. The, these real Hooper types, man, like all they are is like, they're just, they are people who were like, this might upset you, Tate, when I'm getting ready to say, but basketball had a flow over its history that I'm going to like simplify, not simplify for you, but simplify in t- for turn. I'm going to talk, you know, anyway, I'm going to simplify in terms <laughs> of time. Basketball had an era where it started out. We were passing the ball. The whole point of it was moving the ball. The stars of the eighties were ball movers. You know, Jordan comes in, you know, it's, it's isolation. It's the individual, the marketing machine gets behind it. I really think this is where this comes from. This like this like just over the the he- head over heels like overzealous uh, attitude towards like shot creators. I feel like that's where it comes from. All that said, Imani Bates, um, it's never been a question of whether he's talented or not. I've ranted about this on the NBA draft show. It's just been about his sort of like willingness and openness to play another way. And in the summer league setting, he's very enabled to play this way. Uh, I mean, like if you look at his like just his variety of like usage types in in this in this event i mean he's shooting 50 percent on dribble threes in summer league he's (laughs) shooting uh 41 overall from three you know catch and shoot 37 percent uh he's shooting better on guarded shots than he's shooting on unguarded shots from three tate so that gives you an idea of like who that's that's imani he comes to life whenever whenever the challenge is like can i get my shot over this person Imani just turns into it's like he took the limitless pill. He just sees like I I will find a way to get my shots up. That's that's who he is. But all that said, I'm happy for him. I want the kid to succeed. It's been um I don't know from a distance. I'm we we, we don't have any influence on the kid's life, so you're just kind of watching people from afar and rooting for them. And that's what I'm doing with Imani. Like I, it would be fun to see him find a role with them uh, because Cleveland needs a way to like water their plants offensively. There's an opening there. If he could, he's big, you know, I I compared him to, uh, I said he was jumbo size Bones Highland. I mean, they need buckets. They need, and they also need defense. So that's not going to be good for for his case. But they need shooting, and there's an opening there. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to start, but he might get a chance. You never know. Well, if you talk to the Hoopers Hooper, uh, he will tell you that Amani Bates should have been the number two pick. He should have been picked over Brandon Miller, and he <laughs> is the better version of Brandon Miller because they're both six foot nine. But I think you're right. I think Amani Bates um, with the second unit, maybe he gets a chance. And if not, he goes to the Cleveland Charge and uh, just, you know, gets 25, 30 shots a night and puts up his numbers in the G League. And then you get the, the same Hoopers Hooper coming to you and saying, I told you about Amani. Give him a chance. And maybe a team does, uh, like you said, just as a second unit guy, maybe six man guy. Um, I saw people talking about he should start at the three. Uh, He will not start at the three for the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, unless something drastically happens to that team because they're a real competitive team. And I think if anything, if you're a Cleveland fan, I know that uh, at Summer League, a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter who cares, who wins. 
I think it is encouraging that you're in the Summer League Championship game. I think it is encouraging that your best player's little brother is fully engaged, playing great basketball, kind of one of the cogs of the anchors of this team um, in Isaiah Mobley. So that's fun. you got a guy in Sam Merrill who looks the part. He's, I mean, he's shooting. He's averaging 11-3 attempts a game. I mean, this guy is playing the Steph Curry basketball game, and he's playing it at a high level. He's making 6 out of 11 on average. So. They're a fun team to watch. Shout out to Cleveland. I've been impressed by them. Um, I just want to go through some of the uh, the stats and averages that I think are fascinating because my favorite stat is FGAs. And uh, I've said it on the show before, but the ability to create a shot is an art and is also is a skill. And uh, to be a good basketball player, you have to be able to create shots for yourself. So I'm looking at FGAs for the tournament. And the man who leads us in FGAs who is the person I think who is the best player in Summer League this year. It's not one of those names I mentioned at the top. It's not Victor Wimbanyama. It's not Scoot. Obviously, we saw limited Scoot. It's not Brandon Miller. It's second-year guy, Jabari Smith Jr., and the guy was averaging 21.5 FGAs. Again, he only played in two games, but he was ridiculous. Um, he was, I mean, made 10 of the 21 that he took on average, so good percentage, and he just looked like they were giving him the keys, the, the trial run to say, you're the number one guy on a team. What does that look like? And it looked pretty good to me, Kyle, man. So I want to start there with Jabari Smith Jr. I, for me, he's the MVP of Summer League, even though he only played two games. I've thought a lot about this lately, not trying to quibble on the MVP or who is the best player, but maybe I will a little bit. Maybe I'll just quibble mm. a little bit, because I, I spent a lot of time on my uh, Summer League notebook. Jabari's awesome. I want to get some Chet, to me, I think, was probably the best player I saw in Summer League, just because of the width of things that he did. I mean, he just did absolutely everything. Anyway, but they're going to be doing similar things in that, like, these are, like, 6'11", 7-foot, you know, type players. You know, I, I, you know, Chet's more of a rim protector, obviously. But I th one one key element that that maybe went a little that was a little subtle with what Houston was doing was last year they used him as a center. I think like 12, 13 percent of the time they they did it a little bit. But in summer league, they were doing this. And I think a lot of the problems that they were having last year was just like ball movement, creating open shots for him, which really penalized him as somebody who like needs to grow as a ball handler. And they were playing him against fives. Uh, he just made Baji and like James Wiseman. He made them look like buffoons on multiple occasions because it's it's a perfect thing because he's huge. Like we know Jabari's huge. We know he can guard. We know he's a great team defender. Um, but his like face up footwork, centers just aren't ready for that. Whereas like Jabari's maybe not a suit not fast enough to beat like a wing defender off the dribble. He's he'll maybe get strong enough to back him down someday. But it's it was fun to just watch him face up and roast fives. I enjoyed watching that. Yeah, it was great. And he just looked like he was in control. And then second on the board of FGA is his teammate, Tari Eason, who uh, you mentioned blocks. Tari Eason was averaging three blocks a game as well. He was averaging 19 and a half FGAs a game. That's number two in summer league. So the two Houston Rockets up top, you have my respect. Uh, Benedict Matherin is right there. 18 and a half FGAs, number three. Jaden Hardy at 18. And then Malachi Branham at 17. And then if you just go down the FGAs, you kind of can learn who out here was really getting their shots up. Kobe Bufkin, Andrew Nimhard, Grady Dick, Ochai Baji, Brandon Miller, Shaden Sharp, Johnny Davis, Jaden Hivey, Cam Whitmore, 
And that's why I want to talk about Cam Whitmore because he's another one. He's obviously in the championship. He's kind of become the de facto guy, him and Tari Eason, for this Houston Rockets team. Shout out to Nate Hinton also, a uh, former Houston Cougar who's also had a great uh, little run here to the championship. But Cam Whitmore, I started seeing the conversations about he's the steal of the draft. What a what a great pickup. Um, even Kyle Neptune put out the tweet with the picture of them at dinner, which is, I like to see it. Kyle Neptune says. Needed to happen, right? Needed yeah. to happen. Needed to put it out there that we're all good here. Um, Cam was kind of smiling. It was nice. Um, I love to see it. But I think Cam Whitmore is another one of those guys, 17 FGAs a game, but looks like he could be an actual starter potentially. I mean, I, he'll probably end up in the G League this year, but I think he could be a guy for real for Houston. Um, and I've been impressed with him. What have you seen from Whitmore? Uh, Whitmore, I mean, he's he's had an impact all over the floor, plus minus. He's, he's plus nine over the course of the tournament um, or the, the, you know, the event. Uh, hasn't shot the ball super well, you know, about 26 and a half percent. Um, he's, it's hard to say, it's weird to say he's a steal just because people intentionally passed over him, but he could end up being, he was a good value. And, you know, from the people I've talked to, um, you know, around Houston, it sounds like they had no plan or expectation of having him on their team. And he was just there when that pick came and they were just like, sure, which it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he, I was telling somebody, I was like, that's, uh, that Houston Portland game, the first one that we watched right out of right off the fresh off the boat there, like when we got to summer league. Yep. That might be the most athleticism I've ever seen in one summer league game on a court. I can't think of another one, man. Yeah, when you think about Amon Thompson, Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, Cam Whitmore, I mean, just the Houston guys were insane. Then you flip to the other side and you got Shaden Sharp who's throwing down hit, you know, thunderous dunks. You got Scoot. I mean, yeah, it was it was one of those games where obviously it was supposed to be the lead up to the big game, quote unquote. But then the the next game with Victor and Brandon Miller was a letdown because of all the yeah. star power you saw in the game before. Yeah, there, there was a funny moment. You know, Shaden had that dunk on Jay Huff at the end of the game and there was a little extra something on it. And mm -hmm. when I was rewatching the game with like a with like a keener eye or trying to have a keener eye, I was like, I'm. I was like, why did he get sharp? Really seemed like he had a little, it, there was a little extra umph on it. Like, like I'm making a point with this. There was a play earlier in the game. You mentioned Tari Eason. Shout out to Charks. That was Charks's guy. Char Charks texted me in the fall before that draft and was like, I have Tari Eason five. I was like, you're out of your mind. He was not out of his mind. Charks ID'd these guys immediately. You always could. But he um, was talking about, well, Tari Eason in that game. You know, we know Shaden Sharp was like one of the like the highest flyers of the whole event. Like he he was just unbelievable at times. Like um, he just looked like he was was f literally flying at times. Tari Eason snuffed him out and stuffed him so emphatically. Do you know the play I'm talking about? Yeah, Shaden couldn't even jump. Tari was just on top of him like a wet blanket. And when Shaden like goes to the ground, Tari doesn't point to him. He doesn't do the lister blister. He does this thing where he just like presents he like holds his hand out and like presents him he's like this guy this fucking guy what's this about i like just thought that was one of the back in the day own, they're like this guy really tried that. moments or gestures in a game that i'd seen in a while i love to see it um i i mean tar eason is a i feel like if anything his name got more notoriety from summer league this year i feel like he's now being discussed a whole lot more and uh, shout out to him because he played so well another person i wanted to shout out is uh, marcus sasser one of my favorite quotes um, leading into the draft um, was from Troy Weaver. Again, I'm a Troy Weaver guy. I love Troy Weaver. Always been someone that's been, you know, giving me advice about player evaluation, tried to like change the way I looked at things. And Marcus Sasser, he had a great quote about him. He said, he's a rock. 
which, um, you know, he was like, on a team, you need rocks. You need guys that on their worst day, they're still good, right? They're still solid. And uh, and I thought in, you know, this he had a 40-point performance. It was the most points in Summer League, and it was a nice capper for the Pistons because I think that it showcased what, you know, you really have with Marcus Sasser. You have someone that can be, you know, just a solid guy on your team that gets you your his points and his shots within the flow of your team. But you also have a guy that when he's on his best day, He's a legit, legit talent and can go and get you 40 points. So um, I just thought that was a nice full circle thing because when he got picked, you know, some people were raising their eyebrows and saying, well, does that make sense? Look at their backcourt. They already have Cade. They already have Hayes. They already have Ivy. Obviously, Ivy played pretty well in summer league, had some weird moments, but in general played well. Um, but I just thought Sasser in that game kind of solidified what Troy Weaver was talking about. And I think he's going to be a legit nice piece to help solidify that backcourt where, you know, if Jaden Ivey's having a tough night where he's having a bunch of turnovers and he's kind of out of control or Cade doesn't really have it, you got a guy in Sasser who can come off the bench and and be that kind of sure thing. And if he needs to step up and get you 20 points, he can. He's got that kind of ability. Um, so shout out to the Houston Cougars in general because between Hinton and between Sasser, I thought these guys kind of wrapped up Summer League where we were trying to discuss which college team was winning summer league. I think Houston, they put a feather in the cap at the end. And uh, Marcus Sasser was kind of the the big name for me. Um, I watched a little bit of that game and it just kind of was clinical. It was like textbook way to get 40 points. So uh, shout out to Marcus Sasser. Jairus Walker played pretty well too. Uh, Indiana yeah. had a squad at summer league when their guys were all playing. Um, yeah, Sasser is, is going to be solid. Whereas, you know, Jay Nivey is so balls to the wall all the time and you want his athleticism stirring the drink. You're going to have some errors of commission. You know, you're going to have some, some mistakes that he makes where he's going too fast or he just tries something too ambitious. I feel like Sasser just has a different play style. So he, he fits that sort of archetype of like a backup. NBA point guard and that he's going to give you some shooting. He's steady in the pick and roll. Um, he guards the ball. Like I, I think the Killian Hayes thing is interesting because I, I just I feel like his days are probably numbered in Detroit. Like yeah, you know, based point. on the way they've drafted, especially with us, us are. Um, but yeah, Detroit trying to trying to solidify that lineup there and get some consistency so that they can take another step forward and not uh, be wandering in the wilderness for too long because they wandered in the wilderness this past year and it, it didn't pay off. You know, they ended up in the, with the fifth pick, even though they love Osar. So it worked out in the end. But like you said, I mean, they're they're trying to actually make and take that next step. And it feels like th they almost had a false start this year where they thought that they had their backcourt. Right. I mean, I heard a lot of people in Detroit talking about and, you know, not the because obviously it's an insane comparison, but they were just like, we got our Dumars and Isaiah, right? We got our we got our two guys in the backcourt, and I'm not quite sure they have those two guys, but I think getting someone like Sasser maybe will push guys like Jay Nivey and, you know, Kate Cunningham, and we'll see what happens with that. So I think they're a fascinating team. Um, another name I wanted to throw out there because I thought his, his stat line is fascinating. His name is Isaiah Jackson. You know Isaiah Jackson. Coach Cow knows Isaiah Jackson. He led Summer League with 12 and a half rebounds a game, but he also led summer league with seven and a half fouls per game. Um, I thought I thought that was an amazing uh, because he was willing to elbow and run over people for these rebounds. He led in fouls, um, and I feel like Isaiah Jackson. I always thought he had some talent. I I, I feel like he's going to be a guy that gets a look. Um, and you know, just going through the stat leaders, I I kept seeing his name pop up with the rebounding uh, lead and rebounding translates, and Isaiah Jackson can get it done. So he's a name I wanted to throw out there as a shout out to you, tip of the hat. I feel like he has a chance. I love Isaiah Jackson. Ijax, yeah, it's uh, he's he's one of my 
favorite recent UK players. He goes for everything. I haven't watched all of his fouls, so I don't know if that's how he got them, but he tries to block everything. He go mm. he goes after it. And he, he gets a lot, but I don't I don't think we actually had some pretty high block numbers. Of course, I'm in and Wimby didn't play a ton in this summer league, but uh Tari had a few had had a high block number too. But um yeah, Ijax, but we'll see how he how he shakes out. I wonder if Jarris kind of threatens some of Jackson's sort of uh his his security like or his potential to be a starter there. Um, but big fan of Isaiah Jackson. Yeah, me too. Shout out to him. Another, I feel like there's always the diamonds in the rough at Summer League that come for the Miami Heat. So another guy I wanted to shout out, Fresno State legend Orlando Robinson. I feel like we're going to see him uh, playing on the Miami Heat probably next year in the playoffs, if I had to guess based on how they do things. And everyone's going to be like, who the hell is this? Uh, you know, and now is the time to get on the bandwagon. You know who Orlando is. Uh, he literally averaged 26 points a game in Summer League. So he's another name to throw out there. I love steals, Kyle Mann. Um, I love defense, first and foremost. That's what I really care about. So I wanted to list the the five guys that led Summer League in steals. Jaden Ivey, Serge Abari Rice, an OSP or a guy that we love. Keon Ellis, Cam Whitmore, and Amon Thompson. And in fact, Amon Thompson, four blocks a game, three steals a game. Uh, like you said, did not play the full five games of Summer League, but the guy was uh, a defensive presence, to say the least. So um, those types of players, it's not always, like I said, FGAs are my favorite. But beyond that, I like steals. I like blocks. I like to see where uh, those guys are contributing on the defensive end. So Serge Abari Rice, not only a three-point shooter, but a guy who can make, make an impact on the defensive end, stealing the ball. What did you see from Serge Abari? And I also saw TJ Ford tweeting about him. Shout out to Texas legend TJ Ford. So um, that Longhorn bond is good. But I thought Serge Abari looked good in his first action. T.J. Ford, nice guy. Gave me some Great time guy. for an interview one time. I didn't have to do that. He didn't know me from Adam. Uh, Sir Jabari just played. Uh, yeah, he just played one game. But he, right. I mean, San Antonio has a more interesting young group than you would have thought. Like, you know, I saw Jeremy Sohan walking around all weekend and I was just like, why? Why is he not playing? But then you watch Dominic <laughs> Barlow and, and Julian Champagne out there and it was like. San Antonio's got more interesting guys. They've got a couple like solid NBA uh, players, or, or a few. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how. It's it's tough to say whether Serge Ibari is going to be a part of their plans, you know, in the future, uh, in the near future. But um, he did, you know, in his one game, didn't shoot the ball super well. Um, but he has active hands. He's he's a really aggressive player. We know he's got ultra sky high confidence. Um, it, confidence won't be the thing that holds him back. We know that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a big Serge Ibari guy, so I feel like he's the one that uh, I come away and I'm fired up about. Demoy Hodge is another guy, obviously, Cleveland State to Missouri, um, really just kind of climbed the ladder, and he's playing with the Lakers, so Lakers fans are all over him. He's another name that I feel like coming out of this week people are going to be talking about. Jaden Hardy um, you know, is another one that people are, are fired up over. Shout out to, to both the Jadens um, that were out there that were playing well. Um, but in general, I just feel like the Cavaliers kind of won Summer League. That's my big takeaway, uh, Kyle, man. My, my last big summer, summer League takeaway is that I love this Cavs team. I, I think they're a fun team. I think uh, in general, I, you wouldn't expect Sharif Cooper and Sam Merrill and Isaiah Mobley to be the team. Pete Nance, right? This is not the team on paper that you would say was going to win Summer League, but they, they played good basketball with each other. They're a fun team to watch. They shoot it well. Um, and, and overall, I just think Cleveland, you get my respect. You, you get the belt for summer league. I think Houston will probably win this game. I don't want to, you know, make some predictions here when obviously the results going to be up later, but uh, even if Cleveland doesn't win for me, they won summer league. So, uh, shout out to the Cavs. 
I appreciate the fact that the Cavs lose LeBron James and they and they continue to compete. They don't try to flounder out like they did the first time. The first time they were like, we'll take every number one pick for the next five years after the, the decision. And we all felt like they would do that. But it, it feels like they just picked up the pieces quickly there. They're a fun young team. Um, and like I said, they have some fun pieces. And you got Imani Bates. So, uh, you know, in general, I, my big takeaway is the Cavs. Yeah, I said the only other one that's uh, that I I told you I thought was interesting was Colin Castleton was a guy from Florida that I thought was mm. uh, had the potential you know coming into the draft I was like somebody's going to pick him up and he he looked really I mean there were times where he looked like LA's best player right. uh, he's he's just a good screener he's you know he has decent pretty good defensive instincts shots not there he's always been like a super hypothetical shooter all the way back to his Michigan time. But uh, he's a good passer. That's the thing that I think that's really going to help him, whether he sticks with the Lakers or not. He's a he's a high post passer in a, in a in an era where I feel like that's becoming increasingly the way teams are going to want to play. Um, yeah, he's the only other guy that I would shout out. But yeah, there were a lot of familiar college faces out there in Vegas for sure. It was fun. It was. I mean, I'm glad we weren't there for ten days. I don't think we'd be able to do a podcast. I know I would be absolutely delirious and probably on the verge of death at that point. So I'm happy we're out of summer league. It was fun to watch at home. Um, shout out to all the the coaches that were you know filtering through and all that sort of stuff. So all in all, summer league 2023. It's a wrap. It was fun. We enjoyed it. Um, one last story before we get out of here, Kyle. Man, I was going to ask you because there was a conversation about about expansion uh, with the NCAA tournament. They were, you know, acknowledging and having the conversation about it. I feel like I get that news story every year, which is why I wanted to point it out because it's funny to me. But there was a bigger headline, and um, he is the headline hunter himself. His name is Headline Hunter Dickinson, and he does it again. Hunter Dickinson, uh, you mentioned Kentucky recruiting him at the top of the show. He picked Kansas, as we all know. He leaves Michigan, and then he goes on a Kansas podcast um, and calls Michigan, quote-unquote, the fake Midwest. Um, your thoughts? Neither one of us are from the Midwest. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know until I got like national that the Midwest is uh, viewed as the nicest place. Like when you're in the South, everyone says we're the nicest place, right? So I, I didn't understand that was the uh, conversation about the Midwest. We are. We are, of course. I know. I, I know this, but that's just what nationally people think it's the Midwest. But Hunter Dickinson goes to Kansas, calls him the fake Midwest, and says Kansas people are nicer. Uh, what, why, why do this? And also, is he right? That's, I guess that's a bigger question. <laughs> You're going to admit that Tyler's probably more the person to comment on the Midwest that's thing true. is touchier. That's you talked about going that, like meeting more people on a, like a wider spectrum. The Midwest thing is very touchy. Like, uh, like when you hear people talk about it and I feel like the difference, Kyle, Kyle, have you visited the South much? You, have you been, in, have you been in both places much? I'd be curious. You're, you're sort of the, the bystander not, here. Not much. I mean, I, uh, I was in Lexington, or no, was it Lexington? No, Louisville, Louisville. Kentucky, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I went to Disney World once, and I don't know, what what is Florida? <laughs> Disney uh, World is and, not the uh, South. <laughs> and I think that's it. Oh, I went to the Masters, yeah, Augusta. Okay, yeah, that's even the South. South. I feel like yeah. the difference between, and tell me if this is a, a mischaracterization, but I feel like the difference between the South and the Midwest, I feel like the Midwest energy is like, oh, hello, like a little more polite and maybe a little more buttoned up hanging back a little bit like oh we don't want to impose oh nice to meet you you know it's just like a very unassuming tyler's like that tyler's extremely unassuming to the point where i like elbow him sometime and be like dude stop like you're you know like right. stop being so unassuming um whereas in the south i feel like we're like slap you on the back hey come to our cookout come you know like come inside have a meal like we're a lot more like um 
there's just a different energy. Um, am I crazy? Like, cause you're from further south than I am, a little, you know. But it's like I get, I, I get the feeling that that's the, the difference between the two. So I don't, I don't, I haven't spent a ton of time in Michigan, so I don't know, I don't know that I can really comment. Did, did you have a take on that? I'm asking My, a Michigan guy right now, so you guys just vamp for a second. We'll see what he says. Okay, yeah, cool. I mean, the, fair to ask the Michigan people about this. I do think it's messed up to call your old school the fake anything. You know what I mean? So, like, if Hunter Dickinson in the world went to North Carolina and then left and said they're the fake South, I would feel a real type of way about it. You know what I mean? And um, I think you're right. I think the Midwest persona that, you know, that I've picked up on, you know, especially I think Minnesota people are the nicest people I've met. Shout mm -hmm. out to Minnesota. We went to the Minneapolis uh, 2019 Final Four. They're the nicest people. But the energy is very like, oh, shucks. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> I'll help I mean. you with your bags. You know what I mean? That That's kind of like the, the Midwest energy. Um, the South energy, like you said, is kind of like, come on in. We'll make you a nice meal. Have a seat. Take a load off. You know what I mean? How's everything going with your family? It's kind of like... Uh, it's it's a different energy, but I think both have the right intent, right? So that's why I actually appreciate the Midwest once I realized that was their shtick, you know, when their shtick was, we want to be nice, we want to be friendly. I'm like, that's way better than the Northeast when they're like, get the hell out of my face before I smack <laughs> you, um, which I also appreciate, right? Everyone's got different strokes for different folks. But um, yeah, I, I just think Hunter Dickinson, what is the end game of saying this? I have no idea. You know, it's a headline. That's again, why his nickname is Headline Hunter. That's what he does. That's what he's here for. He's here to get the headlines. But you don't want to ever... In my opinion, you never want to burn a door on the way out. Like you, like you want to be able to have Michigan people at least care about you a little bit or want to pull for you. Like I'm going to pull for Caleb Love. He didn't say North Carolina like has fake classes and then leave. Right? He was like, shout out to North Carolina, you know, and then and then went to Arizona. So I just feel like this is a very weird behavior, and it feels like a scorned ex. Uh, that, that's my read on it. Not to not to compare it to relationships, but it seems messed up. Update from the from the Michigan guy. Uh, the opener is Hunter Dickinson can eat a fucking dick. I'll probably bleep that out. <laughs> uh, it's not can it's not Kansas, but Michigan and Ohio are the border states of the Midwest. He's typing again, but I don't think we're gonna get an update from him after that. I I personally like, and I you, Kyle, man, you can comment on this for whatever reason. Kansas has always been considered to me like a Southern ally, not to say that they're in the South, but I've always felt like Kansas, you know what I mean? Like they're, we, they kind of have similar things. It's not quite the same, but there, there seems to be like a handshake deal, you know, where it's like, you get it, you know, what we're talking about over here. You, we like similar things, especially, you know, even Indiana has that a little bit where it's like, you know, it's a handshake kind of deal um, with the South, but I, you know, I, I don't want to extrapolate too much. Obviously my own personal vantage point is going to have some, some Indiana, rain here. Indiana might be a bridge too far for me yeah. with the South thing. I don't know. Kansas, yeah, a little bit. Um, I guess the blue blood thing like we've talked about, like uh, we can maybe get Dollinger to weigh in on the Indiana part of that. But I, I feel like, yeah, the blue blood thing, we ain't mad at them, you know? It's kind of yeah, like right. the thing with you, Tate. It's like you and I where it's like, I'm like, I'm not mad at North Carolina fans. When we play each other, yeah, I want to just eviscerate you guys and, and really, really, really destroy all your hope and positivity. But otherwise, right. I'm just like, yeah, as long as we're not competing with each other, go have fun, be merry, whatever you want to do. Yeah, it's right. It's it's a blue blood bond. No one will get it. Um, shout out to Kansas. I don't even think Kansas wants Hunter Dickinson to be trying to engage in this in this type of content. They don't want like he's speaking to the aggregators, and I think that Bill Self and company are like 
stop, stop doing that. We don't care about any of that. We just want to win basketball games. So I think they're going to, they're going to handle business on that front. And I don't blame Jawan Howard or any of the Michigan people for feeling some type of way about it. I saw some people saying, why would they care? Why would they, why would they want to comment on that? It's a shot. They took a shot at him, um, you know, at at the whole program and, and, and those people in Michigan, I'm sure they're nice people. Right. And I don't think they're fake Midwest. I think they're very Midwest. So, uh, I don't understand it. You turn your former fans into your enemies. I've never understood that in my life. Even when LeBron was with the Heat and, you know, was talking about how much he, how happier he was in Miami and all this stuff. I'm like, I mean, obviously he went back to Cleveland and, and resolved the whole thing. But at first you're just like, why, why do you want to be the villain? Um, even Trey Young, why do you want to be the villain? You don't want to be the villain. You're just, you, you think you're supposed to be, so you're trying to be. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But in general, we'll leave it alone. Shout out to Hunter Dickinson. Shout out to Michigan. Um, you're not the fake Midwest. We appreciate you. We see you here. Um, Kyle Mann, any shout outs from you before we get out of here? Uh, no, I mean, just shout out to all the Ringer crew. Seeing all them was really nice. Shout out to Dave Chang, who did a really cool little favor for our guy, Corey McConnell in Vegas. Right. I was just thinking was nice. about that. That was really cool. We were finishing up our meal. And uh, stuff just kept coming that we didn't order. And we were like, what's going on here? And then the manager came out and was like, uh, you know, this is this is because Corey man, This is so random that Corey's getting a shout out on this podcast. I like it, though. He uh, he uh, produces the major domo, the, Dave, the Dave Chang show. And that was that was cool to witness. Um, I don't know. Just people coming together. It's it. That's that's what's fun about Vegas. Just the seeing people. Shout out to old Vegas. I went down there with Jason Gallagher and Tyler and a few other people. And uh, it is weird as shit down there. But I love it. I would never stay down there. Shout out to <laughs> Tillman Fertitta, who makes all of his staff stay at the Golden Nugget down, Nugget down in Gold Vegas. Um, that place rules. Kyle, have you been to Old Vegas? That seems like something you get a kick out of. I don't think I was in Old Vegas. I was in like off the strip Vegas. I was at this, uh, I don't know what this, the double down <laughs> you place were in was Bold like. Vegas. Uh, that yeah. place was insane. I don't, it, that that place looked like, the whole place looked like <laughs> the inside of a dive bar bathroom, but that was the inside of the place. It was just kind of like stinky, smelly, uneven floors. You know, it looked like almost like we were walking on foundation there. Uh, I don't know if that was old Vegas. It definitely wasn't the strip. I don't know when old Vegas becomes new Vegas uh, or whatever, but uh, uh, I feel like I got the gist (laughs) wherever I was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad you survived and uh, you went by yourself, which is like rule number one of dive bars. Like at least have a buddy system going on, but not, not for Kyle. Kyle's like, I'm going to die. I'm diving in. Every time I was ready to go, another creature of a person would walk in and I'd be like, ah, well, I got to see what this guy's about. (laughs) I respect it. (laughs) That's great. Uh, One, one last shout out for me. Shout out to Stephen Curry. Um, He won the American century championship this weekend. It's at Lake Tahoe. It's a golf event. It is something that I have to play in before I die. Jay Billis played in it. I'm very jealous. I'm jealous of all the media people that were in it, but to watch Stephen Curry go win that golf tournament, he wins on a walk-off eagle putt. Um, it was incredible. It felt like watching Tiger Woods again, um, and it, it, it meant it meant the world to me to watch it because uh, as someone really? who there are two sports that you get my respect that you're good at. It's baseball and golf. And you can either one, you you can get my respect. And you don't have to be good at the other one, but it's you pick your lane and you pick which one you're good at. Um, and and then I then I assess from there. But Steph Curry, and then also seeing it against his brother Seth, who is not as good, um, just shows how much work the guy has put into his golf game. Nothing but respect. Great win. It was great television. Um, Zach Levine, Kyle Lowry, Vince Carter, a lot of a lot of NBA players that were all having a good time out there. It was fun to watch. Um, even the NFL guys were fun. Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, you know, Travis Kelsey, the whole thing. It was a great, 
great sporting event in general. And uh, I have to play in this tournament at some point. But shout out to Stephen Curry. It was fun TV, good TV. And like I said, I had nothing better to do. So I watched the entire final round. And uh, Marty Fish. Marty Fish is the best second fiddle in American history. Marty Fish deserves to get the respect as a number one guy because he is so talented. But just like Andy Roddick, he had freaking Stephen Curry right next to him. So America had to pull against him again. I felt bad for Marty Fish. Um, but he had, a, he had a great round as well. And uh, those two guys battling it out. I mean, you got a tennis star. You got a basketball star. It was great TV. Did you watch any of this, Kyle, man? Uh, I like golf in so much as I play uh, Hot Shots Golf on PlayStation, uh, <laughs> rebranded to Everybody's Golf. And uh, no, I mean, I kind of I visit those two sports a little bit here and there. You know, I like I do watch Wimbledon weirdly. I, I feel like I definitely had like Twitter FOMO with the Alcaraz thing. You know, mm. there was a, there was a huge it was a moment that I missed. Um, but no, I didn't watch it. It's fun. It's fun to hear you gush about Steph Curry. You have you have your lanes. You you are very much. I'm finding curious that you can only win Tate's respect uh, in baseball and, and golf when this is a basketball podcast. I don't know. I don't. So you just don't give a shit when people are good at basketball, Tate. You might need well, to defend that. I, well, I want to find the next layer. You know what I mean? I like people that are multi-sport athletes. I'm like. I would never, if my kid came to me in the future and was like, I only want to play one sport, it's not an option in my house. We're playing every sport because it's going to help you get better. We're going to play soccer. We're going to get that balance right because the, the most important skill in basketball is balance. We can learn that on the soccer field as well. Um, so I just think all the sports kind of feed into each other. And I'm a sucker for hand-eye coordination. So the fact that Stephen Curry's hand-eye coordination is, I think, elite of the elite and he's this good at everything. It's just fascinating, and I love to see it. And uh, you mentioned Jordan ruining basketball with isolation, uh, and then people say he Steph didn't ruin Curry. it. He, well, this, this he, this, he, this, he uh, the, gave it a detour. These are what the Hoopers Hoopers say. Um, they say that Jordan ruined basketball with isolation, and then Curry ruined basketball with a three-point shot. I don't blame either one of those guys. They were just so elite at what they did that everyone tried to copy them, and they're just not as good as them. And it's actually disrespectful for people to try to play that way because you're not Michael Jordan. You're not Stephen Curry. It's not their fault. It's your fault. Um, that's my final point. Um, shout out to Steph Curry. Big win. He did it. Um, this has been One Shining Podcast. He is Kyle Mann. Uh, it has been, you know, these are the dog days of summer. So we're, we're trying to uh, rummage through and find content. So shout out to Calipari for providing it. We will see you on Wednesday and uh, appreciate everybody listening. Peace.